0: welcome everybody it is another episode of fantasy alarm hockey uh i am andrew dewhurst i'm joined as always by chris moray how are you doing tonight chris
1: i'm doing well man how about yourself
0: oh not too bad uh if you're keeping track of twitter handles you can find me at andrew k dewhurst and uh you can find chris at fuzzy chris 21 is that the right numbers
1: 91 but you're close 91
0: i wish i was 21 but no next time get it next time (laughs) um so uh chris i just want to check in uh is the city of montreal ablaze yet or should or do we have to wait till tomorrow night to see if that happens
1: the city is perfectly fine right so the premier of quebec did lift restrictions on the 28th there were fans at the Bell Center, first time in like over 400 days that an arena was able to welcome fans to a hockey game. Um Terraces are open on certain restaurants. I went to a terrace tonight. I had to eat a burger with some fries with bay. Right. we actually saw other people living as well. I mean, things are starting to come back to normal here. And when we talk about normal, we also talk about cock and Yemi scoring goals. That's seems to have
0: come back now. <laughs> now that the playoff season has come around sorry Chris. you have to you have to help me out and probably some of the listeners what's a terrace
1: what's a terrace it's uh well what's a uh, what do you call a if you don't sit inside a restaurant when you sit outside
0: uh typically we call it a patio
1: okay so you guys sit on a patio when you go to the restaurant they're like do you want to sit indoors or on the patio yeah Okay, I've never I've never used that. We call it a I guess that's a I guess it's a French word as we call it in English though. In French it's called an terrasse. So I guess I'm just now <laughs> using French words and swinging them with an English vibe to it and that's it. All right. So yes, I went to a patio and sat outside. Actually, the patios outside. See? Now I'm all messed up here. Is it one well, of those things like when people's on like Find out that Canada has milk that comes in a bag, and they're like, "Wait a minute, what?" <laughs> yeah, it comes in a bag, and that's it. We cut a corner in it, and just you know, we just pour uh, it.
0: If you're only cutting one corner, you're doing it wrong. You had to cut both corners. Let I air flow
1: go through there. Let the, uh, there you go. See physics.
0: Exactly. Uh, anyways, uh, if that but sounds... no.
1: The city is still the city is still not on fire yet, but that could change.
0: I guess to be fair, I think Toronto is probably at the higher risk of catching fire uh, because people can't go to restaurants in, in Ontario. So people can't go to the games in Toronto. Uh, people can't gather inside or outside. In. So um, I feel like that's maybe at high risk. If Toronto loses this game, there's going to be a lot of really upset Maple Leaf fans um and i will not be surprised if they take to the streets after yet what could be yet another very disappointing maple leaf season um this would be <laughs> i think people will start like if people didn't believe that that curse w- the that curse was real before they may really buy into it now right um i 100% but... think the curse is is facts right like by the way like just just in case
1: I don't know I, I don't know what the people in the GTA have been rubbing but they clearly have pissed off a voodoo doll somewhere and, and I mean they can't the least it's just I guess for me it's it's more of looking at this team kind of I, not say struggle right because I mean l- l- let's give Toronto some credit though they fell behind 3 nothing and 2 nothing and still took that game to overtime so I mean, the ability for them to come back is is there, right? William Nylander has been really good in the playoffs here. He's definitely been the leader here. Jason Spezza continues to torment Montreal as he's done his entire career. I can't wait for him to retire, not because I don't like him, but because I'm done watching him score goals. Um, right? Kerfoot's been pretty good as well. But you look at... I mean Austin Matthews is shooting 3% here. He's got 32 shots, he's got one goal. Mitch Marner has no goals. He is 17 shots, 0 shooting percentage. Both players are playing a ton of minutes. It's not normal that Jake Muzzin has more goals combined than Matthews and Marner, right? That's that's kind of a problem here.
0: Yeah, and that, I mean uh,
1: I also hear Travis Dermott something like he's He's a scapegoat. Is he uh, like? Are are are, is that the player everyone's sacrificing to the hockey gods?
0: I I guess so. I mean, you look at it, and if Montreal wins Game Seven, you have to hang this on 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 the head of Matthews and Marner. There's no way around it, right? Right. They're your two highest paid players, your two best players, and they didn't show up. Plain simple, right? Didn't score on the road. Didn't score at home. Like, there's no real way to to have an excuse here for this right um and it hasn't
1: been better for montreal by the way like let's let's put it into context right there are two players who have more than three points one is tyler to the other is yoel armia who scored both his goals in one game so only one player has more than two goals and that is yasperi kakiemi who also by the
0: way fun fact was not dressed for game one so right But let's also keep in mind that Montreal also doesn't have the third leading scorer in the regular season and the person who scored the most goals in the regular season. You're correct. Who also make a combined, like, what, $23 million? They do get paid to score goals, yes, and they are
1: not doing any of that, sadly.
0: Yeah. I mean, the good news here is that they're 23 and 24 years old. They're going to figure it out. Young players go through this all the time, right? I mean essentially you go back and you look at like how they re how they built this team and you go, well, all right, you added some grit to this team, but it's all like it's all old grit, if you will. Right. Sandpapers may be a little worn down. Right. You you bring in Wayne Simmons, right? He's thirty two. You bring in Nick Fellino, he's thirty three. Uh Justin or Jason Spezza brings no grit. Uh, but he's 37 and has played really well. Joe Thornton's right. 41 and has looked every bit 41.
1: I mean, Joe's got what? He, he's got one goal. and He's got three shots in six games, right? So, right. He's, I mean, he's not, he's not he's doing missed. much. And yet, I don't know about you, but like, I kind of laugh when I see Joe Thornton on the power play because I'm like, what are you, <laughs> like, what's, like, what's your role there? What, what are you accomplishing here? Or what are you trying uh, to accomplish per se? because there's not
0: much happening here. Right. Um, And I don't disagree with that. So, I mean, I think... Toronto's second line has been good, though. Yeah. They've they've carried
1: most of the weight here. Yeah, And And Jason Spezza, who continues again to torment
0: my nightmares. I mean, I get Tavares is gone, but it's hard to, on paper, not say that uh, Toronto isn't the more talented team, right? Right. So... And I mean, all of that being said, if there's anything we know about playoff hockey is that talent sometimes doesn't matter all that much because, uh, you know, a lot of times the, the whistles are swallowed, right? I mean, in the Winnipeg-Edmonton series, uh, if my memory serves me properly, there was 30 uncalled penalties against Connor McDavid in four games right so it's like well being the most talented team doesn't necessarily matter it's being able to play through it, it uh, grit is such a a big piece of being successful in playoff hockey and having that be having your players persevere through it and we just haven't seen it from matthews and marner um not to say it's never going to come not to say that you know suddenly we're going to have people like Maple Leafs fans are going to be out hunting down Bill Barilko to bring him back to life so they can maybe win another cup. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, see what happens tomorrow night. Um, so, I mean, I mean
1: yeah. I'll give Matthews and Marner a little bit, not, a, I mean, a little bit of slack here, let's say as well. C- carry price has been everything is advertised, right? And I see a lot of people just kind of saying, oh, people think carry price is it, playoff carry price is a whole different level of carry price, right? And we saw teams last year when Montreal was in the right made it to the playoffs as the 24th team to make it with a 500 record. And I mean, teams were legit afraid because, Kerry Price is elite, regardless of whether, you know, the, the money that he makes and what he does in the regular season. We know there are some players, man, the regular season is just it's something. And, and then you get to the playoffs and it's, it's something else. I mean, Justin Williams made an entire career out of it. Just showing up in the playoffs and saying, hey, uh, I'm here. Let me let me dominate. And Kerry Price, again, his expected goal saved above the average is at five point <laughs> nine right now. Yeah, which is massive, right? Jack Campbell did a lot better because, you know, his numbers went up a little bit here because, well, he literally kept the Leafs in the game there in that first period. If not, it would have been a blowout early. Um, But Carey Price is giving the support to his team that is needed. And he is. and, And again, this team goes as far as he goes. If he has an off game or he doesn't, you know, step up, he's his margin for error is is almost none. Right, because he's not getting very much goal support. Right, he he's not he doesn't have the team in front of him. It's going to go out and score a whole bunch of goals. But when Montreal scores three plus goals, like Carey Price, that's it. He's un, he's undefeated in the playoffs. You're not getting by him. That's it. So he's he's playing like a goalie who knows that he doesn't he he can't be average. He's got to be above average because he his defense core in front of him is getting old that yep. overtime period if if you watch that overtime period, my God. Shea Weber and I mean <laughs> he boy did he look old. Ben Sharott looked these guys look like they were just gliding around in my Sunday league when we start at 11, when we start at ten forty five and we see like the clock strike midnight and there's five minutes left in the third. They were just gliding. They're like, hey, I can't do this. And I mean Montreal ran out four defensemen in overtime because I mean, you dress Kulak, you didn't play him, yeah. and then you don't play Romanov because you had to give... Uh, Gustafson played, I think, six minutes in that game, right? Total, six yeah, match, that one was minute really, on the power play, which is that, why he's in the lineup. That's a
0: really questionable decision to me. I don't
1: understand. Like, why it, why look, do that? If you're going to play a defenseman six minutes and only one minute on the power play, I'd probably give it to the kid who can at least play defense because we know Gustafson can't. Right. He can't right. play. defense. That's he 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 is and, a defenseman, but he does not defend. And, so and
0: how much are you expecting him to affect the game offensively in six minutes anyways? Well, I mean, none. I, right. So at that point, I <laughs> would again, I'd probably have the kid.
1: Right. Romanov has demonstrated that he can play And it, And if you don't want to put him in situations that are tough or anything, fine. Play him in easier pairs, but at least give your 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 top four at some point a break and say, hey, take an extra breath because you're gonna need it. Cause man, they're like it was when when Sherrod and Weber were on the ice, like they couldn't they couldn't make a first pass. They couldn't figure it out. They had no idea what was going on. They could barely move it on. Montreal was playing survive the overtime and they were the team that needed to <laughs> score. Yeah. So I, again, I, I'm not sure what Dominic Ducharme's thinking at this point is saying, hey, we bring like his, his reason again for having Gustafson in the line is because he helps the power play. But again, he played six minutes and one minute of it was on the power play. So he didn't, he didn't even do the part that he was brought in to do. So maybe bringing a kid who can keep up and actually contribute. Yeah, fi- like just find a just way to, you know, maybe
0: get your third pairing 12 minutes a night. Just just 12, right? Just 12. Right. Just that's it, you know. 10
1: 12 minutes, take a little bit of load off your big boys. You know, yeah, that's, that's all you're looking for here.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean and, and that's like keeping in mind, right? Like pe- people at some point were probably like, "Well, what, like remember last off-season when they bring in Jake Allen?" Oh, it's a lot of money is tied up in goalies. All right. Well, yeah. But I mean, at the same time, like Carey Price didn't have to play 70% of the games through the regular season. And now you reap the benefits. Correct. He's not tired and he's he's shown
1: well. And Jake Allen will probably not see one minute in this playoffs. And that is fine for me. That's hey, look, this is you know, this is not your moment, Jake. And even if he had to come in for whatever reason. You have a goalie who can do it, right? He's he's played in the playoffs before. He was very good during the regular season. He held the Ford a lot of times. Again, his offense did him no favor. So, I again, it's it's one of those things where, at, at least for me, from Montreal, that this defense is big and it's not fast, which is the exact opposite of what their team is trying to build. Right They're that they've brought in players who are. Um, bigger up front, right? They're no longer the smallest team in the league. They're actually one of the bigger teams in the league now, right? Top 10 in size. Um, But this is a team that's built on being quick, having quick transition, good first pass out of of their own zone, and they have no defenseman who understands how to do that. With the exception of uh, Jeff Petrie, who was doing a very good job of putting the puck into his own net (laughs) yesterday. He was, I mean... He was tipping everything in on the wrong way. I mean, good for Jeff for wanting to um, figure that out. But Montreal defensemen, again, very well noted. They had zero points coming into that game uh, six. Jeff Petrie did pick up an assist on the second goal, second power play goal. Um, So he broke that spell. But Montreal's defense combined have one point, which I think is the issue
0: as to why we are... Where we are here, yeah, and so I mean, we look forward, right? So that game's gonna be tonight. That's Monday. Uh, I'm assuming that next series will get going by Wednesday, whether that be Montreal or Toronto, uh, either in Winnipeg or at, at Toronto. Um, I don't think this break is helping the Jets any. I mean, they completely lay waste to the Oilers. Um and now you gotta wait what, a week? When was the last time the Jets
1: played? Yeah, it pro- probably it probably slows them down more than anything. I mean Winnipeg's got a good team. They don't they're not really dealing with a ton of yeah the, um injuries, no injuries either where they need to make sure players are healthy and they come back. So I don't I don't think that from that sense is too too much here. But No, the the Jets are in a better position here. They'll watch both teams kind of try to wear each other out so that they can get, you know, they come in rested, which is good for teams at this point in this season, right? Playoffs is about making sure that you're rested, making sure that you're ready to go, that, you know, your body's at 100% and that it's ready to operate. So the Jets are obviously in the driver's seat here. They're in a good position. Yeah, it's going to be nine
0: days between games for them.
1: Nine days is a long time, yeah. They'll figure it out i guess at some point but i'm not too worried about the jets yeah uh, they seemed they were in full control against edmonton and i expect that i think at, at least for me i think what winnipeg did to edmonton and Ed, edmonton still had i mean the two best players in the nhl on their team and they were little to non-existent in that series uh, and Connor Hellebuck was really, really good. Again, talking about a goalie with an ex- uh, uh, expected goal saved above average, um, he is second behind Vasilevsky. Yeah. So uh, he gave up eight goals in the four games. He was expected to give up fifteen. So he's he's definitely he definitely stepped up to the plate there. His numbers are really, really good in that first series, and that's the type of Connor Hellebuck that has to show up for this team. Because I mean. Winnipeg has the offense to keep up. I think their top six is deep enough. Their fourth line is you know, good enough to do. They, they play sporadically, but they're there. Their defense is definitely questionable, but that's... I mean, Winnipeg's defense has been questionable since Dustin Buffalo was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do hockey anymore. Um, but their goaltending has always been a strong suit for them. And when Connor Hellebuck struggled during the regular season, giving up three-plus goals every game, you saw the Winnipeg Jets struggle. And now when he... Steps up to the plate like he did and shuts the door. Then nobody's nobody's beating Winnipeg and nobody's scoring goals. Not even the two best players in the NHL. So we'll see what which Connor Hellebuck shows up in round two. But I'm expecting it to be the one that we saw in round one that just didn't give up goals.
0: Yeah, and I think they'll make an interesting matchup for either team. Like I don't think it's going to matter whether it's Toronto or Montreal. I mean, I think. If it's, if it's Toronto, it's going to be whatever the game plan was against, um, against Edmonton. I mean, Toronto's got more depth, but not necessarily a significant amount more, right? Um, and then Montreal, obviously, would be very different in the sense that, like, it's a whole new game, right? They can maybe try to play more wide open um, as opposed to maybe having to try to play more back on their heels and try to make sure that they're taking somebody away. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out uh, in that next series. Um, we had, we had two series get, get underway today. Uh, we had Tampa beat Carolina in Carolina two one. Um, we've got Colorado showing no signs of rust against Vegas. They're up six, one with uh, about 18 and a half left in the third. So they're well in the driver's seat there. Uh, and then we had, uh, Boston really not have that much of an issue with the Islanders yesterday. I thought that game would be a lot closer than it was. I wasn't expecting 5-2. I actually kind of thought the Islanders might win that game. Um, or at least it'd probably be more like a 3-2 game. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we're, we're into to the real stuff now, right? Like, every game is kind of tough to predict at this point in time. Um and, and I think we're going to have a lot of like all of these series should be good. Um, I can't imagine Colorado's going to come out and blow up Vegas like this every night. Um, I have no idea why Vegas decided to go with Robin Leonard tonight after Fleury was very good against against the Wild. I don't know if it was just to give him. It must have just been to give him an extra day of rest because I think Leonard's still in at this point after giving up six goals. Uh, is that or I? guess maybe is there an injury we don't know about with flurry that that's caused leonard to come in come in for them uh that's sheer speculation i do not know anything about that um but yeah it's it's playoff hockey time so um it's it's really probably the most fun time of year at this point uh and i guess the nice thing for for us canadians is we actually get to have teams, more than one team playing after the first round, which normally we don't have. That's true. Can
1: we talk about just Colorado for a second here? Their top line, again, is just absolutely ripping apart Vegas, which I thought was, I thought their top line tearing apart St. Louis was something, right? Because, again, Ryan O'Reilly is still pretty good at kind of containing, right, the opposing team's best players. Jordan Binnington is a trash can, so it didn't really matter. Um, but the Vegas Golden Knights are not. They, they're you know their their top line maybe. I mean, with Max Pacioretty, and they can still compete with the best, right? And their second and third lines can definitely, you know, match up with some of the best. Their goaltending is good, even if Robin Leonard's is getting absolutely whipped tonight. Their defense is strong. The, what what Colorado has been able to do here in the first almost five games of the playoffs is just mind boggling at this point. The pace that this top line is on seems unsustainable at best. Because it at this point, it doesn't look like anybody's going to slow them down. And I don't know how you slow them down. It, it, it's, it's one line, right? The, the, like there, There's not much coming else from elsewhere, right? It's the same players scoring goals here. Gabriel Landeskog is starting to take off as well. Nathan McKinnon doesn't stop scoring. And oh, by the way, Miko Rantanen, only I mean, that's only a second goal of the playoffs here, but he's just racking up assists. Now he's all of a sudden the guy who feeds uh Nathan McKinnon, which, oh, look out, that's going to be, you know, terrifying here. McKinnon here has played almost 15 minutes in that game. He's got two goals. He's got an assist. He's got seven shots on goal. So he's hit the shot bonus on DraftKings as well. I saw some people who are like, "Yeah, but he's expensive," and I'm like, "Yeah, but it's it's Nathan <laughs> McKinnon. Like, I'm sure so? like you can afford it. Figure it out. Like at this point, if you're playing NHL DFS in the playoffs, you like you bite the chalk with Nathan McKinnon and you figure out the rest of your lineup after that. If he's ninety percent owned, great. Ninety percent of you get it right. You can eliminate ten percent of the field. And guess what? If he doesn't go off. Well guess what? you have you you know ten you ten percent get yeah. ahead of you, but ninety percent are still in the same boat as you get the rest of your pieces right, and you'll be just fine. But this this entire line here just when Nathan McKinnon is firing on all cylinders, I can't think outside of again Connor McDavid, I really can't think of another player who just you look at it and you say, well, I can't I, I can't stop him. I just need to hope he doesn't hurt me. And he is just hurting teams with his goal scoring yeah. abilities.
0: He's now at 12 points. Uh, right now it's 12 points in five games and 23 shots.
1: It's, it's like the pace is just like he hasn't even played five games. yet. He's still got well. That's basically today. an entire yeah. period, half a period left to go. More than right. that. And I just like I don't. He is on a whole other planet right now. He's on a whole other planet.
0: If if you're playing NHL DFS right now and Colorado is in is playing, if you're not playing McKinnon with either Landis Cog or Rantanen, you're doing it wrong. Oh, right. I just
1: play I, I just play just, him and Rantanen and then I just worry about the rest, the rest of my
0: Yeah, like you'll get you know you throw in your Brandon sod or a Yeah.
1: Like I'll take a zero somebody. from someone else just to get McKinnon in. Like don't 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 get me wrong, like McKinnon can produce for two. So I'll just I'll happily take that. And again, I'll figure it out once I get there. But he is just again, he's on a whole other different planet right now. Same thing with rent and rent. Rent is not picking up the goals, but he's all of a sudden he's become Nicholas Backstrom and is just feeding McKinnon the puck and It's going in the net. So but he is uh, to
0: also still giving you the shots.
1: He is. He's still shooting the puck, which is uh, which is excellent. Right. That's what you want to see, of course. And that's, you know, the best part. Also, same thing. Cale uh, McCarr has three points in this game. Um, I guess he took it personally when I wrote up the two game slate for the fantasy iron playbook, where I was like, I don't know if I'm paying up for him. So glad to know he's a subscriber. He probably reads it religiously. Um, took one look at it, took offense to it. Right. He pulled out the Jordan meme and said, and then I took that personally. And here he's got. Uh three points, and he's just making me regret saying that, so big thanks to Kill McCarr for going out of his way here to make me look like poop. Well,
0: it's gonna happen sometimes it's gonna happen a lot so yeah we'll we'll see how that plays out um uh, I mean from a betting perspective, I had Vegas with. Uh, I had Vegas with the spread because I thought this would be a close game it has not been a close game so this does not look fantastic for me Um, so I was like oh Vegas with a goal and a half under 200 yeah I'll I'll take that I think it was minus 160 this morning Um, and part of me was like do you really need to hedge this one you could probably could have taken uh, Colorado or Vegas straight up and had a chance, but, uh, you know, you, you win some, you lose some. Uh, I would never have predicted this score, and I don't think never. many people would have predicted I would this not score. have.
1: I did not think this was going to be like that. Vegas did not have it going like that either. They thought this would be a much tighter game, and I agreed with them uh, in that sense. I didn't think this was going to be. I, I really thought Vegas could be able to at least contain. Colorado's top line and not let them run wild because right now they're just doing whatever they want. They're just going out on the ice dominating possession dominating shots dominating goals and the opposing team is looking at him going okay. Like he, here's the worst part. I don't think any of the goals that the Colorado's top line has scored have come on the power play. One. one uh, yeah Sorry.
0: one one goal has come on the power play. Sorry I'm you're right. Sure.
1: Landis got from Ranton and McKinney. Right the, the fifth goal came on the power play. So the rest of them are coming at even strength. So you're beating Vegas at, you know, at five on five, which is, again, tough to do, right? Yeah. If if you're scoring on the power play, I mean, that's just, you know, that's the opposing team is putting themselves in a bad situation. You're expected to take advantage of it. But in this case, it's not that. These teams can, you know, at five on five, you know, Colorado's a home team, so they still, you know, can get the matchup on paper that they want. But,
0: I mean. But that's, yeah, but like. In theory, it's kind of a wash here, right? because both teams would use their top lines are going to probably use their top lines to try to like wipe each other out right or at least try right yeah, like that's gonna be the idea like you're gonna try to have landis Cog out there um for Vegas's top line, but Vegas is gonna use stone out there for the same purpose that you're using landis cog, so it it really ends up being a wash so like but as noted, right when Colorado when Colorado won is just unstoppable. It doesn't. It's not going to make a difference, right? It's not going to make a difference whether they're in Vegas or in Colorado. If this is the outcome, then this is going to be the outcome. That said, there's there's no way. I I cannot see any way that Colorado comes out and wins wins six one in game two. Will they win game two? Maybe, I don't know, like what I know about Vegas and what I know about Pete DeBoer is that he's, he's typically trying to think one step ahead of you. Um So I don't know if maybe this was just a purposeful loss where it was like, you know, him trying to be strategic and like show them the wrong things in game one, knowing that this is going to be a six, seven game series and say, you know what? We might not win this one anyway, so let's just like mess, like give you bad film to review for two days, and then come out and show them something completely different for game two. You know, Mark Andre Fleury, and suddenly everything everything looks much different. Maybe Vegas wins game. You know, equalizes home ice, uh, heading back to Vegas and take takes their shot from there. But um, yeah, I, I'm definitely definitely surprised by this. Um, I, I didn't see Tampa and Carolina. The, the The game, the box score at least makes it look like uh, Vasilevsky sold the show there. Um, big reason for that being a two one game. I think he had, say, he had thirty eight, thirty eight saves in that I think game. Too. He had
1: close to. I think he had close to. He had
0: thirty. He thirty seven and thirty eight. Yeah.
1: yeah. So he was. Uh, yeah, he did. He did the work that he needed to do here in that first game. So, you know, again, he had thirty-seven and thirty-eight. He put up, he put up the work, and Vasilevsky again. I, I, I know, like we expect him to be good. We expect him to be elite, and I think there's this notion that people think that he's not, and that's, I mean, that's boggling. Again, coming <laughs> into. That game, he had the highest goals say uh, expected goals saved above average. Like, he's he is stopping more pucks than he should. And he was expected to give up 20 almost 24 goals in that first round against Florida because Florida just shoots everything at the net. He gave up 16. Like, he he's gone to work. He literally stole a game in that series. And again, if you're looking at just you know, goals against average and save percentage and whatnot, and all those non fancy stats, then, you know, it, then nothing really stands out on paper here. But he has been, he has well, been really elite
0: in this series. Well, he's been elite all year, right? I think Vasilevsky falls into the trap of people's minds of like, this guy's just always good. Yep. Right. But like, you keep in mind his season, his regular season, although shortened has been just every bit as good as uh as it was when he won the vesna two years ago right he's got a goals goal saved above average uh through the regular season of twenty one uh he had twenty six point four when he won the vesna fifty seven percent quality start percentage uh he had sixty four percent when he won the vesna uh five shutouts in 42 games that's that's a lot of shutouts in a short period of time uh and his save percentage 925 925
1: right like that through that through that first round right including the game that he played um today right like he's got a 936 save percentage right his 2.41 goals against average you're looking and you're saying okay well you know Mike Smith as a 2.4 what's so crazy about it I'm like okay well let's well, let's hold on right which yeah. is why I think goals against average is a false leader here yeah. yeah like goals against average is one of those stats I'm just like okay well that's more of a team stat right, right. if your goalie's giving up goals because your team can't play defense or you're facing off a team that literally throws everything but the kitchen sink at you then you're going to get you know goals against here but if 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 you're stopping about 93 close to 94% of shots like you're on a whole other different planet right now. Say they like again, Connor Hellebuck. He's you know 0.95 say He's stopping 95 percent of the shots that are going his way. If you can limit shots, right, and and if you can control that, and you can play good defense in front, then you're golden, man. You're you're really really golden. And I think for Vasilevsky in this spot, he's he's elite. And I would say he is probably if I if you had to. Take the most valuable player through that first round. Andre Vasilevsky, to me, is that player. He was the most valuable player to his team, and it's not even close. I think. I, I think the addition of Nikita Kucherov helps that. I think he probably comes into a close second there. Right, he does lead all skaters in points, so that's you know important. But I don't think. I, I don't think Tampa Bay makes it past Florida without Andre Vasilevsky.
0: I think right. you can make the case for both. I don't think I don't think Tampa gets by Florida without Kucherov or without Vasilevsky. I mean, Kucherov led all players in points through the first round, unless something crazy happens uh, in, in Game Seven tomorrow. Um, but at the same time, you know, if FC doesn't, you know, isn't isn't an elite goalie. Then yeah, there's probably more goals there, uh, and they don't they don't make it, right? I mean, that was a six game series. It was there were some close games there, right? And there were some high scoring games there. Like I think that's the thing that throws people off is to see a high yeah. score. They just assume goalies were bad, which he isn't. Gave up,
1: cool. He gave up goals, but he was, you know, he he played above, above, you know, outside of his, not outside of his game, but he just played a lot better than I think people want to give him credit for. And he was like, he was really, really good. And again, I think this was, he, he really did play a factor. Let's put this into context for a little bit here, okay? Sergey Bobrovsky in the three games that he played had an expected goal saved above average of minus four. Okay, so not only did he not do his job, but he actually hurt his team. Right? Chris Dreiger didn't do any better. Uh Spencer Knight in a short sample size finished with a 2.4. So he was obviously he's obviously the better goalie on this team, right? So again, what when I had predicted the Panthers to make it past the first round, all I was waiting for was when would Sergei Bobrovsky give up the goal uh to Spencer Knight so that they could compete here and Unfortunately, it didn't happen early enough. But again, Vasilevsky to me is he is an elite goalie and he gets lost in that conversation a lot of times because he plays on a very, very good Tampa Bay Lightning team, right? Which is how some of these players, kind of the downside of it, right? They kind of get lost in these situations where you look at teams and you say, oh, yeah, but the team is good, right? Kind of like Tuka Rask, right? Tuka Rask, great goalie. He gets lost sometimes because, oh, well, the Boston Bruins are good. Right? They have a good offense. Their defense is good. You know, Yaroslav Halak is a good backup. I mean, Rask has been elite. Right? He's been really yeah. good. It's top five again. Expected goal saved above average. He's been everything as advertised. So I I'm I am a little bit shocked, I guess, that that game was so tight between Carolina and um Tampa Bay. But I was expecting a little bit more from Carolina in that first game, and we just didn't see it. Yeah, so we'll see. Their we lines can... were everywhere, too. By the way, I don't know what concoction that was. I don't know if they just put that in a blender.
0: You know, but this, this is kind of what they've done all year, though, right? Is that like it's Aha one, Trocheck 2, stall three, and the wingers are just random. Like it's just constant. Like I don't
1: different. like it started when I was putting it together playbook right. Especially like, I was skating with Aho and 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 Turbo right, and then all of a sudden, line rushes came out pregame, and oh, here's Brock McGinn on the top yeah. line. You're going, why? Like what it? Like what are we trying to? I don't know why coaches are obsessed with balancing things out. Like I think all coaches were at some point accountants because they spend their entire days trying to balance their lineups, right? Accountants balance books. Coaches (laughs) try to balance lineups. And I'm like, you know, you don't have to because then coaches will go to the blender, put your best players together, and then cut your bench short and play Gustafson six minutes in, you know, in an almost 80-minute game. So, like, coaches are not... They understand how this game works, right? Like, you need your best players to play together. Well, why don't you just start your best players together? Why don't you do that? Why don't you just put them together? I'm not saying cut your bench short right off the bench, but I mean just let Smash Aho and Turbo play together. And then, you know, if something doesn't work, then maybe try it for a shift or two and say, you know what? We need to change it up. We're not getting what we need out of it. Then maybe well, I'll try something
0: different. <laughs> keep in mind this is also the team that on their top power play unit uses three centers, right? Like it's 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 aho, Trocheck, stall. Uh, Dougie Hamilton and Sveshnikov. You're right.
1: But as of today, so, right when, when, on that first power play unit, Stahl moved down to the second unit, which is fine. And then Martin H just came up to the top unit, and you're like, yeah. okay, fine. I guess if you want to do that, you can do that. But, I mean, if you're going to play Sveshnikov on the second unit, which again, why do we care about second power play units? Give your top unit the most amount of ice time because you want your five best players to play together. Just run your best players out there and let them do what they have to do. This is the playoffs. You're looking for goals. If you have a power play and you're not scoring, you're giving the other team. I found it really interesting, right? When Toronto challenged that first goal for goalie interference, I mean, that was a weak challenge. It was weak, but
0: like, yeah, that, that challenge was entirely predicated on, right. But Shelly King is
1: looking at this saying, okay, well, the odds are in my favor that even if we get it wrong, Montreal's power play has been dogged. So, you know, who knows? Of course, they end up scoring a goal on it because the hockey gods just wanted it to be that way. But from that perspective, again, the challenge was weak. I, I agree on that. But his, his other side looking at it was going, well, even if we're wrong, our, pow- our penalty kill has been really good. We might be able to get away with this. Right? So, your, your, your power play has to be good. It has to take advantage of chances that are there. And teams that are not playing their five best players together on the power play, you're just doing it wrong at this point. All right? Tampa Bay has it all down to a science, right? They got Point, Kuch- uh, Kucherov, Stamkos, Hedman, Kalorn. Those are their five best players. They all play together on the top power play unit. Half the planet cannot tell me what their second unit is because who cares? We don't really see them. Yeah. And that's the way, at least in my mind,
0: I, I I agree, right? The goal the goal is to score goals, not to Correct. just add possession time to your stats, right? Like which is why I think it's wild, especially for the Leafs
1: here. Joel Thornton is centering that top line, and we've already agreed that he's done nothing in that if, up, up till now. And your top goal and point player is on the second unit playing with again no offense I mean Jason Spets has been really good but and Kerfoot as well but he's with Simmons Kerfoot Spets and Muzzin that second unit is not scaring anybody well
0: I mean I, that's a slightly different situation right like you're not using spence in front of the net you're not like spence doesn't take up any space Man, i'm not hard worried to move about the that. guy
1: in front of the net put zach hyman there and say hey bud your job is to clean
0: up here because well, joe thornton hasn't enough. figured that out so far so fair, fair enough i mean if you want to use hyman there that totally makes sense makes sense but um you imagine I mean, on one side you can use
1: marner in the bumper spot Right? He could probably facilitate the puck around. He's pretty good at facilitating the puck. You put Austin Matthews on one side. You put Willie Nylander on the other side. I guarantee you, Montreal has no idea what to do. They have no idea what to do because you can't slow them down, both of them at the same time. And then you at least cause, you, you cause that box to start to spread out, which is what you want to do, right? If you're the power play, you want that penalty-killing box to get real, real wide. Because then you're going to start being able to cross that puck directly through the box, and when you get a goalie going lateral from one post to another, that's when you can start creating something.
0: So, And you're opening up the passing lanes. Correct. You're doing
1: everything you want to do as power play. You're moving the puck. Montreal has a very passive penalty kill, right? Toronto's penalty kill, dog hound. They are going to hound you with the puck. They do not care. And Montreal spends 40 seconds just trying to keep possession. They're just swinging it around the outside. Nothing's really happening here. Toronto's just hungry on the puck, on the penalty kill. They're not giving you space. Montreal's not the same team. They let you sit there. They let you figure out what you want to do. Have a coffee. Have a biscuit. Here's your croissant while you're at it. It's extra warm. Just do whatever you want to do here. Set up and go. So, again, I don't understand why it's taking this long. I don't know what the obsession is with coaches not wanting their best players to play together. But I feel like on the power play, especially when you're a team that's kind of struggling to get your big boys going, why not give them the best opportunity to play with the best players at all times? And if that means you have to play five forwards on a power play, do it. Do it. who was one of the, who was one um, of those teams that were running out five forwards on the power play? To, was it, Pittsburgh? it, did
0: it at one Florida Florida
1: did it. Sorry. Yes. Florida uh, right Florida Panthers running out five forwards on the power play. Ask Florida if they care about defense at that point. They didn't care. I mean, for the most part, right? Like you're right. Montreal, if if you're gonna use Eric Carter Verhage, Hubert
0: Barkov. Yeah. Jesus. If you're gonna use Eric Gustafsson on, on your power play, don't act like he's there to play defense, right? You might as well use just use a fifth forward. Right? Like Florida Iron. does the same thing. Like you're if you're gonna bring out Keith Yandel to under your power play, that's totally fine, as long as it serves a purpose, but don't act like he's like preventing shorthanded goals in any particular way.
1: He, so no, he's 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 definitely he's definitely not. Eric Gustafson in two games has played a total of sixteen minutes. Yeah. Sixteen. Again,
0: no value. No value to that team playing 16 minutes.
1: You're handicapping yourself by dressing that six defenseman to play only eight minutes a game. Right. right. You're basically playing five defensemen, which... You're not even that because Kulak didn't play much more. <laughs> Kulak didn't play, no, but he. I mean, who's he going to play with? His partner exactly. literally can't play the position that he's supposed to play. So by default, then he ends up getting stapled to the bench through no fault of his own, right? You don't want to start rotating five defensemen it'd be the same thing as dressing seven, right? You got that awkward guy who's just there, who's taking a turn every once in a while, right? You don't want to disrupt that flow, that chemistry that you've built out, right? I mean, Edmondson and Petrie, they played together all season. They've been very good. One of Montreal's best pairings, right? I mean, Sherrod and Weber are kind of married to each other at this point, being whatever they are. So again, it leaves Kulak as the odd man out because his partner can't play the position and he, again, even if you don't want to trust Romanoff in these high you know these high pressure situations, that's fine. put you know just do some do something else with him. I don't know give them easier minutes give them you know minutes here and there whenever you need them. That's fine. let them play the penalty kill. Breck Kulak can play the penalty kill. He's not you know terrible at that. he can do it right if Eric Stahl can play the penalty kill I'm again and Eric Stahl is. I mean, he's looked slow here a couple of times here. Definitely looks slow. He's, he's Montreal's version of Joe Thorne. And he's regularly seeing about 10 minutes a night. So if he can find ice time, I'm sure we can find Romanov some ice time somewhere on this ice.
0: Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, but with all that said... Um... We should probably go ahead and uh, shut things down for this week. I think we've discussed all five series at this point. Skipped a little bit on Boston, the Islanders. Uh, I mean, pasta did pasta things, right? Hat trick uh, was largely the difference maker for the Bruins in that game. Um, and I'm sure we'll get more into it as we get this thing down to, you know, should, we should be down to four. You know, maybe even we're down to three series by by this time next week, depending on what how things play out. Um, but uh, if you've made it this far, thanks for the listen. Um, again, you can find Chris at Fuzzy Chris ninety uh, one on Twitter. I get the number right this time. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, you can find me at Andrew K Dewhurst, uh, and uh, you know if you want to. You want to talk hockey through the week? You can find us in the chat at fantasyalarm.com. So, have a great week, everybody, and uh, we'll see you again.